The title of my lesson is The Holy Ghost, and I want to introduce it by reading from the first chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, beginning with verse 1 and reading through verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The former treatise have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth." And uh, I'll conclude uh, having read from Acts 1, uh, verses 1 through 8, and conclude the reading lesson there. I want to, in the way of an introduction, uh, I think that you already know this, but I want to, in this lesson, speak about the third person of the Godhead. And uh, as ministers... Those that have been called to preach God's word, if we're going to glorify God as such and be helpful to those that we serve, I'm persuaded that there are two things that, it, that we must do in the ministry, or two things that we do in the ministry, rather, that we must consistently depend upon the enabling power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Two things. Those two things are this. Anything and everything. Amen. We need Him and we uh, must rely upon His enabling power in anything and everything that we do if we're going to have any success. If we're going to accomplish anything, we're going to have to have a total reliance upon the Holy Spirit of God. And uh, I'll just go ahead right now uh, so that Brother Brad can rest easy. Uh, I believe that the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit are the same. And you know what? I really, really hope that every one of you 
upon hearing that statement, said, duh, uh, if you did, you won't offend me, I'll be happy, because I really do hope that, that everybody here believes that, that, you know, they are talking about the same person. But I, I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about that. Most of you, uh, like me, maybe not all of you, but perhaps most of you, primarily use a King James Bible. And, uh, and in that translation, uh, he is referred to as Holy Ghost about 90 times. And throughout the uh, King James Bible, uh, both the Old and New Testament, I believe that the term Holy Spirit is used about seven times. And... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this statement that I, I made a statement similar to this uh, not long ago when uh, I was asked to do a lesson at uh, the Fairview Memorial Winter Bible Study, and it was a character lesson, and the subject was Moses. And, uh, the, you know, I made a statement, as I said, similar to this, but today... Uh, I, I have been given 45 minutes to present a lesson on someone that is spoken of in the Holy Bible from the first chapter to the last chapter. Amen. And I mean, there is so much information and so many things said throughout God's Word about the Holy Spirit of God and I'm saying that to tell you that I don't feel like that I will touch on nearly all of it. Uh, but, uh, but I do want to take a moment here and go back to what I was saying concerning uh, the way that this has been translated. And, uh, you know, we, we know that those responsible for having translated uh, for the King James translation, they were much more consistent to translate these words, hagios pneuma, if I'm saying them right, uh, in the New Testament as Holy Ghost rather than Holy Spirit. Uh, however, Holy Spirit was used four times in the uh, uh, Old Testament scriptures and there are three places, I believe, where it's used in the uh, uh, New Testament, or I'm sorry, four times in the New and three in the Old Testament. And I wanted to share those, and I'll go through them here rather quickly. Psalm 51, 11, in David's prayer of repentance, he made this statement. He made this request of the Lord. He said, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. In Isaiah chapter 63, in verses 10 and 11, uh, beginning with about verse 7 of that chapter, uh, Isaiah was speaking about the great blessings of God upon Israel and he said, this is what they did. But they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was turned to be their enemy, and he fought against them. 
Then he remembered the days of old, Moses and his people saying, where is he that brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he that put his Holy Spirit with, within him? In Luke 11, in verse 13, it says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Ephesians chapter 1 Verses 13 and 14 says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye had believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession." In Ephesians 4, verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 8, He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who also hath given unto us His Holy Spirit. Now, I want to go back for just a moment to uh, what was said in Isaiah chapter 63 when it talked about the fact that Israel had vexed his Holy Spirit. And in the New Testament, uh, in uh, Ephesians 4 and 30, we were instructed not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And uh, those two terms there, that they had vexed his Holy Spirit and that we are instructed not to grieve his Holy Spirit, if you look those up, those two words essentially mean the same thing. And certainly we don't want to do that. We do not want to do anything to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And so... Uh, in the King James translation, to, to the best of my knowledge, and I may have missed something, but to the best of my knowledge in, that, uh, in the King James translation, the combined terms of Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit are found about 97 times. He's spoken of in that way about 97 times, but that is not nearly the only references throughout the Bible to the third person of the Godhead. He's spoken of in many other ways as well. Now, I, uh, I shared those, and I, and I wanted to briefly share that thought with you, and I don't know if anybody has any confusion at all, or if anybody has even wondered why that, that was done, in the translation. And uh, I wanted to share those places with you, those scriptures with you, where it talks about the Holy Ghost and also the Holy Spirit. I wanted to bring them before you just to tell you that I have absolutely no idea why they did it. 
I really don't. I have no idea why that it was translated that way. But I did come across this statement, and, and I believe this to be pretty accurate, honestly. It says, there is no linguistic basis in the Bible for rendering either Roach from the Old Testament or Numa as both ghost and spirit. There's no linguistic reason for having done that. The distinction lies within the minds of the translators. Now, I, uh, I, I had uh, some, someone earlier, maybe Brother Danny Holland, talked about having had an extra year uh, in preparing this when this was the lesson that I was going to present last year when the school was called off. And so... I've been looking at this for about two years, and I have had so many thoughts. I have, and I know you brethren know what I'm saying. Uh, I've, you know, several, several nights studied, sat in my study until late, late at night studying, and go lay down and, and not be able to sleep and have thoughts where I would just have to get up and go back and, and study more. And I had just, you know, read and read and studied this and tried to look at this from every angle that I could. And uh, I was uh, talking to Brother Jerry Reynolds on the phone, and uh, we were just talking about several things. And, and I began to tell him about that, about, you know, that I had studied this and and I said, I have come to the conclusion that if we, in order to really know why they use both of those terms in the translation, we would have to be able to talk to them. You know, we would have to be able to talk to some of those that did that to really know why that they did. And uh, <laughs> he, he kind of slapped me in the face. He said, well, yeah, or the Holy Ghost might show you. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? One of, the, one of the main points that I was going to try to make in the lesson was that I believe the Holy Spirit can still reveal things to us. And uh, I, I, well... Uh, the word pneuma, it primarily denotes the wind, to breathe, to blow, breath. Uh, in the Old Testament writings, the word roach, if I'm pronouncing that right, and I'm probably not, uh, also refers to the same thing, to breath or to the wind. And I took both of those meanings from Vine's uh, Expository Dictionary of the New Testament and Nelson's Expository Diction of the Old Testament. And there's some scripture that I wanted to use uh, that I believe uh, speak about that. In Genesis chapter 2, in verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground 
and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God placed a spirit within him. In John chapter 20, in verses 21 and 22, then said Jesus unto them again, speaking to his disciples, peace be unto you. As my father hath sent me, even so I send even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And so he is uh, that great breath of life. In, uh, as I've already said, uh, in the translation that most of us use, uh, those words together, hagios pneuma, was almost always translated in uh, the English words, Holy Ghost. Now, where Numa stood alone uh, and was not preceded by the word Hoggy Ghost or what we know as Holy, uh, when it was used alone, they would translate it as Spirit. And I'm not really sure you know, honestly, why that was either. I know there's a lot of ideas about that, and you may have some ideas about it yourself. Uh, but we don't, you know, we know in reading the English Bible that we don't find scriptures that tell us that we're, we're led of the ghost. We are led of the Spirit. When that word was used alone, it was translated as spirit. And sometimes, and I'm sure that you've seen this, but sometimes both terms were used describing the same event. And sometimes they were even both used and are found in the same verse. And I want to give a few examples of that as well. Luke chapter 3 in verse 22, says, And the Holy Ghost, this is at the Lord's baptism, And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. In Mark's account, Mark chapter 1 in verses 10 and 11, it says, And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit descending like a dove upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And it would be foolish to not think, uh, to think anything other than the fact that both of those are talking about the same thing and the same person. Okay, uh, in Acts chapter 1, in verse 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so there we see both terms used in even within the same 
uh, statement. Now, in the fifth chapter of Acts, in the third verse, this was the account of what uh, Ananias and Sapphira had done. Acts chapter 5 verse 3 said, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? And in Acts chapter 5 verse 9, still talking about the same event, then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Now, also in the fourth verse, well, let me read three and four together. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not in thine was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Now we hear this a lot, and it's certainly true. We hear it often said that Jesus is God that Jesus is Jehovah God, and He is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is God. He said uh, in John chapter 14, when He was talking to His disciples, He said, if you've seen Me, You've seen the Father. The Apostle Paul in, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, in him, that is in Jesus, dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. Well, certainly we, we believe that. He is God. I'm going to say the Holy Spirit is God. Amen. He's God. And, you know, there is proof of that. Right here in this one chapter, in the fifth chapter of Acts, if nowhere else, there's proof of that because the Apostle Peter told us there that to lie to the Holy Ghost was to lie to God. Same thing. If you lied to the Holy Ghost, you lied to God. If you lied to the Holy Ghost, you lied to the Spirit of the Lord. Now, you know, there again, you may think that uh, this is not a necessary point to be made, and perhaps among us, it's not so much, but I'm going to tell you uh, that I have read these things, and uh, there are things that are being published, there are things that people are writing, and uh, they're putting these things out there, and you can find them uh, online and other places, that uh, really, I mean, they really go to great lengths in their writing to try to prove that the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God are two different things, two different persons. It is believed. It's been believed in the past. It's still believed today. I don't want any of you to believe it. I don't think that we should believe it. In, uh, in, in the very first chapter of the Bible, in fact, when you only get to the second verse, 
The Bible says this, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. He was right there in the creation. And uh, in Revelation chapter 22, in verse 17, when there's only five more verses that follow it, we read about the spirit giving that final invitation. The spirit and the bride say, come, let him that is a thirst come, whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. And uh, the, the spirit that is spoken of there in Genesis chapter one, that was present in the creation and the spirit that's spoken of right there at the end of God's written word are exactly the same. And when we read about uh, the Spirit of God in the Old Testament. It's the Holy Ghost of the New Testament. Amen. He's the same. Amen. He is the same. Right. He is a person. The Holy Ghost is not just some type of powerful, mystical force. He's a person. Amen. He's the third person of the Godhead. He has a personality. And he is so important to us. You know, I, I want to tell you how I feel. This is in my heart today. If I can just say something today that will renew in us the thought that we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God then I'll feel uh, like that something has been accomplished. I believe we need to be renewed. I do. I believe that, listen, uh, when, you know, when we preach, we need the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. When we prepare to preach, we need the Holy Spirit of God. If we're going to properly learn, we need the Holy Spirit of God. If we're going to come away in our studies with a proper understanding, we need to get it from God. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Not from the commentaries. You know, I want to go back to the first chapter of Acts. I've got a lot more written, but I'll tell you what, I think I'll just follow the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want to go back to the fact that Jesus told them, you're going to receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. If you go back and you read uh, in the last chapter of the gospel according to Luke, and you read that account of the Great Commission, Jesus told them uh, to take the gospel to the world, to take it to everybody, but he told them to tarry in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. Go and take the gospel to everybody, but you wait until this power comes upon you because you're going to have to have it. Amen to carry out 
what I've told you to do. You tarry. You know, I think that, listen, I believe that one of the things that maybe we have forgotten or are forgetting to do is tarry and wait before God. Uh, when Brother Reynolds gave his lesson, did you pick up on this? Did you get what he was saying? He talked about things that he had studied that it took him years before he felt like he had the proper understanding of it. We don't want to wait. But I'll tell you what, if we do, if we, if we uh, study and we tarry and we pray and we wait on God until God reveals his word unto us, we will have the right meaning. Amen. We'll have it right. You know what? I'd say probably every one of you have got plenty of books sitting on the shelf. You could go to many of them and get an answer quicker. If you go read where something that five different people have written about, you'll be very fortunate if you get five of the same thing. I'll tell you what. If I had a question about something that was written in the book, Fundamental Error, if I was reading something there and I just didn't understand what was being said, you know who I'd go talk to? The guy that wrote it. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go to Brother uh, Jeff and say, what was Brother Reynolds saying there? I'd go to the guy that wrote it. I'll tell you what, listen, uh, when you study the scriptures, if you want the proper understanding of what's being said, go talk to the guy that wrote it. Amen. Go talk to the author of it. He'll give you a whole lot, uh, he'll give you an accurate answer where oftentimes nobody else will. And now, the Holy Ghost has got me way off track here. <laughs> he can tell us in our ministry where to labor, where we are supposed to be. And he can also tell us where we are not supposed to be. And the scriptures prove both of those things to us. He can tell us where to go and he can constrain us as well. He can say, you go here. Or he can say, I don't want you to go there. Read Acts chapter 16, verses 6 and 7, and you'll find that to be true. He can tell us where he wants us. He can tell us where he doesn't want us. In the second chapter of Luke, in verse 26, oh, I love this. There was a man named Simeon. 
And you know what? The Bible says that the Holy Ghost revealed something to him. And you know what? When he did, Simeon believed it. He believed it. It was revealed unto him, that is Simeon, by the Holy Ghost, that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, you know, Simeon didn't have a chapter and verse where he got that. The Lord revealed it to him by the Holy Ghost and made him know. I want to ask you, brethren, today, do you, do you still believe that God can do that today? Amen. That he can reveal things to us by his Holy Spirit? Amen. That God can make us to know something and to know so clearly and to know that this is what God has told me. Amen. Simeon believed it. And uh, when they brought that baby in there and he held it, he was just content to die. Lord, let thy servant now depart in peace, for my eyes have seen thy salvation. He was 100% convinced that this is what the Holy Ghost had revealed to him. When he held that child, he was convinced this is the one that he's telling me, that he has told me about. In Judges chapter 14, verse 6, the Bible tells us about Samson killing a young lion and we read about Samson and we read about him being a he-man and him uh, being very, very strong. And we read about his long hair and, and the strength in his hair and all these things. But this is what the Bible says in Judges 14.6 when he uh, was able to kill that young lion uh, that roared against him. It says the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Amen. That's how he did it. We think, uh, I, I believe that uh, sometimes uh, our, our thinking is too narrow. We think about the enabling power of the Holy Spirit and we think about it in nothing but a spiritual way. But I mean, we have examples in the Bible where the Spirit of God gave men physical strength to be able to do something. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He still leads his people. And you know what? He doesn't want us following anybody but him. 
He doesn't want us following some other spirit. And he doesn't want us following things, reading and following things that are not true. He gave us what we need. He gave us his word. In 1 Samuel 16, 13, it says the spirit of the Lord came upon David in Revelation twenty two seventeen. I've already shared that with you. He's been at work. He's been at work in the world since creation. And he still is. Romans 8, 2 makes reference to him as the spirit of life. Romans 8, 9 makes reference to him as the spirit of Christ. John 14, 26 makes reference to him as the comforter, the paraclete, the one who gives comfort, the one who gives help. And the one who teaches us. And he teaches us by a curriculum that's been around for a long time. In John 14, 7, he's the spirit of truth. In Galatians 4 and 6, he's the spirit of his son. All these in reference to the same person. I want to go to uh, the gospel according to John for a few moments. In chapter 16, verse 13 says, how be it when the Spirit, this is Jesus talking, how be it when the Spirit of truth is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. Going backwards here into chapter 15, In verse 26, Jesus said, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Those are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the 14th chapter, in verses 16 and 17, Jesus told his disciples... And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you, and shall be in you. In verse 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost... Thank you, Lord, for telling us that. Whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things 
and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And I want to give a brief summary here for uh, the next few minutes of uh, what the Lord was telling them. He was going to be leaving. He was not going to be with them in the flesh much longer. And he was prepping them for that. And, uh, you know, he had told them, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. But I'll come again and receive you unto myself. And he said, I will pray to my Father and he will give you another comforter. He will send you uh, another comforter. And I, I tell you what, to me, uh, it seems to me that Jesus was telling them, I'm going to be going away. I'm going to be leaving you, but not really. I'll still be here. I'll still be with you. There'll be another comforter. And he'll abide with you forever. And I, I'm going to tell you something. I love what he told them. That he was going to pray to the Father. And he was going to send him. But he turned right around and he told them. Basically he said to them. But when he comes. He won't be somebody that you're not already acquainted with. Because you know him. You know him. He, uh, you know, I'm going to pray to the Father to send him unto you. But honestly, he's already here. And you already know him because he dwells in you. Amen. He's already with you. He's going to come and he's going to uh, do some very special things among you. But he's already with you. Jesus is still with us. He's still with us. He's not, he's not here in the flesh like he was for a while, but he's still with us. <clears throat> Let me uh, interject something here real quick. We've been on a, you know, and we always are when we come to this, we're on a pretty tight schedule. Uh, and, you know, the, the brethren that are given the lessons We've had three lessons per day, and the ones that are giving the lessons, if they go way over on time, it kind of throws things off. But the last guy doesn't really have to deal with that. <laughs> I'm not going to mess up a thing. <laughs> There's a prophecy in Joel. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. In Acts chapter 2, when miraculous things happened on the day of Pentecost, and uh, there were some that even thought that it was the effect of wine. And uh, the apostle Peter assured them, that's not what's happening here. Uh, what you're witnessing is the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy 
of God pouring His power out upon us. Listen, the Bible teaches me that where the Holy Spirit is, there's liberty, and where the Holy Spirit is, there's power, and if He's not there, we're lacking both of those things. You ever get up, uh, you're, you're getting ready to preach, or maybe you're getting ready to teach a lesson, and uh, boy, you're nervous, you're apprehensive. There's all these thoughts rolling around in your mind, these things you've looked into and all these thoughts and, and they can get all jumbled up in your mind uh, and you begin to uh, get a little bit anxious maybe and you wonder how things are gonna go and you begin to fret just a little bit uh, and then you get up in the uh, pulpit and you begin to try to uh, bring forth the things that God uh, has placed up on your heart and in all of a sudden, sudden somebody shows up and everything is different when he does I don't have any desire to stand up here without him I believe what Jesus said when he just simply said without me you can't do anything we can't The prophecy was that he would pour out his power upon them. And man, he did. I mean, there were things that happened there, miraculous things that had not been seen before. Uh, there were things that uh, took place there uh, in, a, in a new way that hadn't been seen before. But listen, that does not mean that he had not been at work all along. Time's up. Never cared much for clocks. I, I do need a few minutes. I want to, I, I have some things that I want to share. The New Testament writers, if anybody, if anybody has the idea that the Holy Ghost wasn't really around until we begin to read about him in the New Testament. The New Testament writers wrote about the things that he did in the old. Second Peter chapter one, verses 20 and 21, knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is in, of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of God, or by the will of man, rather, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen. He authored the scriptures. If you want to know what they mean, go talk to him. Mark chapter 12, verse 36 says, For David himself said by the Holy Ghost, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies my footstool. Amen. Acts chapter 28, verses 25 and 26. And when they 
agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, go unto this people and say, hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. And I love this one from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 8. It's talking about the things that the high priest would do in the tabernacle service. And the Hebrew writer said, when these things were done, Hebrews 9, 8, the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, he was at work then, wasn't he? Well, I'm going to, there's, Maybe you can read the rest that's in the written lesson, but I, I'm going to close with this. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen. And listen, we need to desire the Holy Spirit. We need to desire Him to be present with us when we do the work of the ministry, we need to desire that he would be present with us when we assemble as churches to worship. And I know this, that we're not going to, not every time that we come together are we going to have a teardown service. But I'm going to tell you something. I believe this, that every time that we stand to preach or every time that we meet for worship, if we don't sense the awesome presence of the Holy Spirit of God among us, it should bother us. We shouldn't just dismiss it casually and say, oh, well, maybe next time. If he's not there, let's go find out why. Let's get on our knees and find out why. Because uh, he is absolutely necessary to those, uh, to those things. He's done so much for me. He's done so much for you. When I was a boy and I heard the gospel, it was the Holy Spirit that convicted me. When I sought the Lord and was saved, it was the Holy Spirit that told me I was saved. When we pray, He makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. He helps us in our infirmities when we pray. When we were saved, the love of God was shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Amen. He's done so much for us. Amen. I love him. Amen. And uh, I think that, as I said, if we don't feel his presence, it should be a burden to us. It should be bothersome to us if we don't. So I, I pray that uh, as we depart 
May God's Holy Spirit be with you. Thank you for your attention.